Father, we just want to thank you, Father, once again this morning. Come to you, Lord, we come to you, Father, as your children and as your servants. Father, we want to hear from you. And Lord, we want to hear with a posture of humility. I want to lay aside every idea, every thought. Even if what I speak today, Father, does not agree with it, I become against it. And we want to exalt your word, the letter and the spirit above every circumstance and every thought and every opinion. And this morning I pray, Lord, that we will know the truth. And the truth will set us free from the power of sin, from the power of the world, and will make us bold that we will be able to look into the eyes of the enemy and fight the powers of darkness. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Touch all of us. Enable us to experience your love. That the words that we hear will be from the words of a loving father to his children. To that end, I pray that you would anoint even the speaking and the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you. We give you glory for in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter was singing this song. Um, the Lord was running after and... Uh, the story is told about Apostle John. It's a legend. It's um, not. I'm not sure how true it is, but um, reading. I mean, reading the story. I think it should be true. It's part of church history. Um, Apostle John um, was establishing many churches, and he became a bishop. And in one of the places, uh, he ordains an elder, and he sees a very young man, handsome young man, zealous, just come to the Lord. And uh, he has to go for a trip. Immediately he gets an assignment that he had to go to another place and strengthen another church. So he has to leave. So he takes this young man, goes to the elder of the church and he says, I'm leaving this person with you. Mentor him. And uh, the elder says, definitely I'll do that. And uh, after a while he mentors him, teaches him the word. The young man comes to the Lord. Now he's on fire for God. He gets baptized also. Um... And uh, now he's experiencing this freedom in Christ, right? And all of a sudden, um, he falls into bad company. How does he fall? He has a bunch of friends who entice him. And because he's experiencing this new freedom, he, uh, he, he thinks that, you know, no, there's no boundaries. I can do whatever I want and God will still forgive me. But over a period of time, he's enticed into this uh, bad company. And he starts enjoying the things of the world. And when he enjoys the things of the world... Uh, slowly and slowly and slowly he goes away from the Lord, stops coming to church and uh, eventually he joins a band of thieves and he becomes a fierce thief and he becomes the head of the clan of those thieves. A fierce guy now and everybody's afraid of him. Several years, not several years, after, after a period of time, John comes back and he comes to this elder and he says, give me my deposit. And uh, the elder looks at John and he says, uh, what deposit are you talking about? You didn't deposit any money with me. He said, no, 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 I'm not talking about a deposit of money. I deposited a soul into your care. What happened to him? Give me, give me back, give him back to me. And the elder looks at him and he says, he's dead. 
What do you mean he's dead? What do you mean? How did he die? No, 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 I'm not talking about uh, him dying physically. This man is dead to God now. He's become a thief, a robber, a dangerous criminal to society. And then John looks at him, he's totally flabbergasted and he's appalled by the response of this elder. And he says, so, where is he? He's in the forests. Now he's the head of the clan. Get me the horse. He says, what do you mean? I'm going after him. So he says, you're old, what are you going to do? Doesn't matter, get me the horse. And the story is that Apostle Paul, Apostle John, he uh, runs into, I mean, takes the horse, old man now, he goes into the, goes into the forest and he is captured by the thieves. And he looks at them and he says, okay, take me to your boss. And, uh, he says, okay, come on, come and let me, let me show, show you our boss, how fierce he is. And Apostle John is, Going and approaching this boss now. This man is now a young man with all weapons all around. He's looking fierce. And countenance changes. And the moment he looks at Apostle John, he throws all his weapons and he runs for his life. All his friends are shocked. So what is going on over here? And then Apostle John, in that story, he starts running, taking slow steps towards that young man. He says, young man, young man, stop. What can an old man like me do to you? Come back to me. Come back to me. Jesus Christ still loves you. And that one look, he looks back at, the, at, the, at Apostle John. And Apostle John is called the Apostle of Love, by the way. And he looks at the love of Christ beaming through him. And this man, a few hundred yards, comes running back to his father, spiritual father, embraces him and he weeps and weeps and weeps and he says, my father, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I betrayed you. I betrayed my God. And you know what he says? You can still finish your race. Jesus Christ still loves you. And you know what he does? He takes him back the second time. The story says he baptizes him again and he becomes a mighty man of God after that. You know, I told the story to my children when we were in our school and uh, I had some tears rolling down their cheeks, okay? Some of them. And I found that it is very easy to speak to children and to elders sometimes. They are tender, actually. This is a story of... uh John the Apostle, the Apostle of Love. But it isn't, isn't it interesting, right? We heard last time, I mean, it was a powerful word that we heard, come back, your sins are forgiven you. And Apostle John says in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, he says, He has asked me, he has sent me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to open their eyes, that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to power of God, that they may what? Anybody knows? Receive forgiveness of sins. The, pa- the fact of the matter is there's so many people in the, in the kingdom of God who still haven't received anything from God. They may be feel, feeling bad about their sins, but they still haven't embraced the love of God. Yes, this guy was feeling bad about his sin, but, but that would have been not the, it would have been the end of his life if he wouldn't have run back to his, to his father. Receiving forgiveness of sin is one thing. And second thing, you know what? How about not sinning anymore? <laughs> right? Uh, Pastor was talking about uh, Valentine. I know one of the things I said, I'm not going to preach about Valentine. Uh, okay. Because the first Valentine I see in the Bible, 
scares me. He fell in love. Who? That's it. Finished. 14 years of his life is gone. I said, Baba, my life is precious to me. And I'm not going to encourage anybody to fall. Okay. And I'm going to only warn them. Like Apostle Paul will say, take heed lest you fall. Okay. And again I say, take heed. So this morning I want to talk about sin no more, actually. Your sins are forgiven. But how? But how? But how? But how? But how? But how? This is the question, right? You see, uh, there's, a, there's, there's two incidences which I want to uh, bring to your attention. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. This, um, this, uh, s- uh, this lady who's uh, at Simon's of Pharisee's home and she's, she's anointing uh, Jesus' feet and Jesus has some words to say to Simon. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same's love, same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with them began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has made you whole. There's another episode in the gospel according to John chapter 8. You know this story very well. This is about the woman caught in adultery. And again, he stooped down, it says in John's gospel chapter 8, verse 8. He stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by the conscience went one by one beginning with the oldest into the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, my Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. And there is an apostrophe, uh, is a, what is it called? Semicolon, right? Go and sin no more. See, the gospel is two parts. Your sins are forgiven. I don't condemn you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But go and sin no more. In John's gospel chapter 5, this is the one who was asked to pick up his mat and walk. Remember, look at what it says. When Jesus had raised him up and saw no one, but oh sorry, uh, John's gospel chapter 5. Then they asked him, who is the man? Uh, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. After that, Jesus findeth him in the temple and saith unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. What? Sin no more. You know, most of the times I, I ask this question, why didn't this guy say, okay, Lord, how do I do it? <laughs> how do I do it? Okay, I, don't, I want to sin no more. But the point, uh, let, let me ask you, let, let me tell you this. The one who is genuinely born of God and who has received, genuinely, has received forgiveness of sins. Genuinely. Okay. There is inherently a desire in them, a desire inside of them. They could be falling, I mean, they could be making a lot of mistakes. They could be, you know, uh, tumbling here and there, stumbling here and there. But there is a genuine desire in each one of them, if they have been born of God, not to sin. To fight sin. They don't want to be that old life. That, that's, that's, that's the mark of a man who has been, who is genuinely born of God. I'll show you this verse. Let me prove this to you. In 1 John chapter 3. No one who remains in him sins continually. You see that? This is the NASB. No one who sins continually has seen him, seen him or known him. 
Okay, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sins is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. And then it goes on to say, no one who has been born of God, what? Practices sin. You see that? Because the seed remains in him and he cannot sin continually. You see, this is the other side of the gospel. You see, one of the things that puts a smile in God's face, no? That when we are fighting sin and we are overcoming sin in our lives. Really, he gets excited. My children. You know, the apostle John is the apostle of love, but he's also called the apostle of what? Anybody knows? Truth. If you see in his epistles, he talks about the spirit of truth more than any other apostle. I mean, it it, it is any other uh, gospel, if I'm right. So, he is the apostle of truth, no? And he cannot continually sin because he has been born of God. And this is a, what do you call a symptom, or symptom, or, or, or the way, the parameter, if you will, a characteristic of a guy who is really, truly, genuinely born of God. There is a desire inside of him to overcome sin. Maybe he is failing, but there is a desire. He wants to overcome sin. By this, he says, the children of God and the children of devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother or sister. You see that? Okay. So today, this morning, we'll not talk. See, this, like, we, we, uh, if you were there, if you've been listening, I, I don't know if you can, if you have heard, uh, Pastor was speaking at one of the churches and local churches in Hyderabad. He was talking about grace. And he was talking about the gospel having three parts. And you know it. We heard it so many times in the church. First time, the first thing is that gospel, uh, or rather grace of God saves you from the penalty of sin. Penalty. You don't have to pay. That means your sins are forgiven. The second most important thing, and which is a long, drawn out process for a believer, that the gospel or the grace of God saves you from the power of sin. Okay. The power of sin. Maybe in some other time, maybe you can do this teaching, but if you read the book of, uh, the, the epistle to Romans in Romans chapter 5 from verses 12 to 21, um, uh, the, Apostle John, uh, Paul talks about four kings. Okay. There's this, it says, as, as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. And death reigned, it says. So the first, he, he talks about the, and sin reigned, he says. Sin reigned, death reigned, and then he says, grace reigned, and finally he says, you reign. So there are four kings over there. There's a, there's a king called sin. There's a king called death. And there's a king called grace. And by the way, grace is a person. Spirit of, spirit of Christ. Or spirit of grace. And fourth, the, the king called you, who's reigning in life through Jesus Christ. And therefore sin is a power. Okay? Sin is a power. So let us look at the nature of therefore. We are not talking about the sins that we commit. No, we know this. We heard it so many times in the church. We do not uh, we don't commit, we commit sins, I mean, we don't commit sins because, we don't become sinners because we, because we commit sin. Yeah? We don't become sinners because we commit sins. We are sinners and therefore we commit sin. We know this very well, right? So this is essentially, there's a power inside of us which causes us to sin. 
And that is one thing which we have to tackle. So that we break the cycle of repenting. We should, we should be moving from one level to the other. So to understand the nature of sin, uh, nature of sin, I just want to point out three important traits of what sin is. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 3. There are several, but three. Beware brethren, let there be, this is Hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 and 13. Beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened, what? Through the deceitfulness of sin. So one thing sin does, it deceives. Okay, first what does it do? It deceives. Second sin does in this context, if you read this verse, it hardens your heart to future impulses or the probings of the Holy Spirit. Now, yesterday we had one question, no? did I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Did I sin against the Holy Spirit? As long as there is conviction in your heart, praise God. Okay, pain is good, right? So, so this first, first thing he says, the sin is what? Deceitful. Second, sin is Harmful, it hardens your heart. Third thing sin does is, in Romans chapter 7 verse 11, for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it what? Slew me. In other words, sin sin kills you. You don't kill sin, finally, sin will kill you. Sure, let me show you another passage from scripture to see this concept, if you will. Ezekiel chapter 18 but if I say to the wicked, turn from all your all his sins that he has committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath, he shall live. This is the righteousness that God gives by faith, a, a type of it. H- have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? And then it goes on to say, verse 24, But when the righteous turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and doeth according to all the abominations of the wicked man doeth, shall he live? Rhetorical question. Answer is, no. All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned in the trespass that he hath trespassed and in his sin that he hath sinned, in that he shall die. See, it kills. I mean, what, what does killing mean? It means two things at least. It, dead, it deadens you to spiritual things in life. You see, when you see your spiritual appetites getting reduced, Okay, you say, Amma, this manna every day. Okay, or this word of God every day. Or when you say, oh, fellowship every day. Oh, judging every day. If you say, when your appetite towards spiritual things, if it's, it's not getting more and more exciting, or rather you're, you're, you're not increasing in your zeal towards spiritual things, then it's a sign of death. So, sin kills. Sin deceives. Sin hardens. Sin kills, at least three. And a type of this and a picture of this, we've seen it so many times, but I just want to show you again. In Genesis chapter 4, you see in the KJV, this is what uh, God talks to Cain about, and he says something very interesting. He says, And the Lord saith unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall shall thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, uh, sin lieth at the door. The word is crouching, lying. Dormant is there, right there, door, the word for door is gate, again, same word, gate, it's there, right there, okay, and unto thee shall be, you know, it's a very interesting pronoun, it's not its desire, his desire, 
and thou shalt rule over him. Isn't it very interesting? That's what Paul says, no? As through one man, sin entered into, he doesn't say sins, no, no, sin entered into the world and death through sin. It's like the, 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 the Greek word is esarkomai and para esarkomai means when esarkomai means sin entered as a person and death through sin, meaning that also came and stood alongside sin causing spiritual death. Okay. And his desire is for you. And, but my desire for you is that you should rule over him. Put him under this, under your feet. Okay. John's Gospel chapter 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you, what? Free. Okay. And another translation is very interesting. It says, um, uh, sorry. Uh, if you hold on to my teaching, you're, you're really my disciples, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they're very upset. No? They get upset. Really, really upset. Somebody, uh, you know, when you talk to the Pharisees like that, really, really they get upset. And they said, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and never been in bondage to anyone. And he says, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a, you know, slave to sin. No, who's your master now? Sin is your master. I, do, I was I was talking to, I was sharing on Wednesday, right? Sin is like a master means he is your boss. He will decide what you should do. Vijay, please sleep today. Okay, sin. Vijay, go to a movie today. Today, go and watch this movie, Nightmares. Okay, sin. Who's your master? Sin is your master. And you become a slave and you have, you can do nothing about it because he holds you, he owns you. You see, you can, you'll find this picture in one of the Valentines in the Bible. Delilah and Samson. And Delilah is absolutely very clear. Samson, tell me no, if you love me, how can I destroy you? Please, I want to kill you. Please, please, if you really, really love me, tell me, how can I take away your strength? And this guy is fooled. He's totally a slave. He cannot control himself because he's a man given to his appetites. He who commits sin is a slave to sin. You become a slave finally. You can do, I mean, I remember my old, old, old days, no? When the sin commands me, I used to commit it. Who's my master? Sin. My goodness, I remember. I went to a, a, to buy a suit for myself. I was a student in Canada. I know, students, how much they get stipend? My budget was $15. $15 suit you get, okay. Then I was going in the streets of, um, we had an underground, uh, underground shopping mall over there because it's cold in winter, so the whole city is underground, okay? So I was walking and I looked at this nice Italian store. And then I looked at there, $15, not maximum $20 suit was there. I said, okay, for me, I should get one, one of these. So I entered into the store. And comes the manager. He says, yes sir, Italian, okay? No, nothing against Italians, but he's an Italian manager. He looks at me and he says, Looking for a suit? You look very handsome. I said, well, thank you. 
and he wouldn't believe me, okay? He showed me so many blazers. And he put on those blazers. You know how they treat you in a show, store, right? They put it on, on you, put it on, put it on, put it on. And he used to touch me in those points. I used to feel, boy, it looks good. Like this, like this, no? He used to touch me. And I said, yeah, I want this. You need also a trouser which goes with this blazer, he says. A trouser. So yeah, why not? And then, you know, I'm all, I'm sold there. I'm sold. And then he texts me and he says, fantastic, you look fab in this. And then, why don't you take it? I said, yeah, pack it, boss. Pack it up. Go to the counter now. That's the last thing now they'll tell you. Sold. How much is it? See, I, I, you look like, I didn't say, maybe was, I was looking like an Indian. I'll give you a discount anyway, because you anyways haggle. I was even more impressed. I'll give you a discount, 15% discount. It is $35. That is my metro pass. For the month. For the month. For a student, it is a lot of money, by the way. $35, I was sold. A slave. I, 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 I'm just giving you an example. I can know from my own life. When sin commanded me and I surrendered my body to it. Can you remember? Swiggy? Ah? Yeah, I told you, no. The relative distance. They believe in the theory, theory of relativity. The relative distance between the consumer and the shop should be zero. So how does it matter if the sh- consumer comes to the shop or the shop goes to the consumer? So Swiggy says, we come to you. <laughs> no problem, sir. <laughs> See? That is how we are sold. We are slaves of sin. So how do we get free from it therefore? You see, we will have to break this cycle of sin. So what is a, what is a, what is a, what is a, uh, sutram, if you will, a principle if God, that Jesus says, it's not an easy task, it's not a straightforward thing. He says, you should, what? Hold on to my teaching. What should you know? What should you do? You should hold on to my teaching. My teaching, meaning, it is essentially meaning, it's, you see, we, we, we cannot separate teaching and teacher in Christianity. You have to hold on to me, in other words. Because Holy Spirit is our teacher. So you have to hold on to his teaching. And second thing, so that is, that is how you are set free from sin. I'll show you an example. Romans chapter 6, you'll see, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Right? But God be thanked, verse 17, that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. What did you obey? The form of doctrine, which you were Deliver too. And when you obey the doctrine, you became what? Free from sin. That is, that is the, that is the principle. So you need the teaching and you also need something else also. What do you mean something else? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Isaiah chapter 10. And the Lord of hosts will stir up a scourge for him, like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb, as his rod was on the sea. So will he lift up the manner of Egypt. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the what? Anointing. You need what? Therefore, you need the teaching and you need the anointing. Both these are important. That is the reason why faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God is some translations 
ESV uses a very interesting word. It says, hearing about the word of Christ. The word is Christos, which is anointing. Okay. See, let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters. Anointing is not for ministry. There is an anointing for ministry. But you know what it says? Jesus Christ was anointed for the Holy, by the Holy Spirit first to, to do good first, to do, to be, and then to perform all the other things. You see, the anointing is given primarily and all of us are priests and kings in the new covenant, right? And what did the priests have on their ears and on their toes here? What did they have? They had the blood and the oil. They had both. They had the anointing. And you need anointing. You need anointing. And one of the things that you need to keep on asking over and over and over again is, Lord, give me the more anointing. I don't want to be like that, uh, like that, uh, those, those uh, foolish virgins we didn't, which did not have anointing. No, anointing just right up after a while. And you need anointing, more of your anointing. You need anointing which will to break the yoke. And you need to have the teaching also to, the, to break the yoke. You'll see that in Matthew chapter 28, right? Come to me. All you who labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then you will find rest to your souls. You see, he's talking about the double rest. You want, you'll have freedom from sin, both when you have the anointing over your life and you have the teaching in your life. Both these things are absolutely important. The teaching and the anointing. Second Corinthians chapter three, we know this very well. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Liberty. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again to the yoke of bondage. Bondage to sin. And I will say it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Don't become slaves to sin. So what do you need? You need the anointing and you need the teaching. And primarily you need the anointing to apply the teaching. You see, you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. You cannot do anything in Christian life without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is just not for the ministry. It is more important for life. For life. You see... If you want to become a good student, you know what you need? If you're a believer? Anointing. Okay. All the others can do without the anointing, but you can't. And God will not. You could be smarter than them, more intelligent than them sometimes, more qualified than them, but God will not allow you to succeed if you're genuinely a child of God without the anointing over your life. Because that is the only thing which will bring you. And you should not be, be without the anointing. Lord, anoint, anoint, anoint me. I'll show you this passage very well. You know this passage again. Familiar passages, but putting things into perspective so that you will understand what I'm trying to say. First John chapter 2. But you have an anointing. The word in other translations will use the word unction from the Holy One. And you know all things. How many? It's not that you immediately know all things. Progressively you will keep knowing it. Okay? I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. And then, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But, verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that 
anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will be able to abide in him. So who teaches you? The anointing. To apply, how do I apply a particular, in a particular situation, how do I apply the truth of God? The anointing has to teach. The anointing. Nothing else but the anointing. Okay. Otherwise, see for example, now I remember this beautiful, I mean, not a, a fabulous, fantastic incident in the life of Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is trying to give this incredible speech, right? He's captured by all these Jewish people who want to finish him off. And he says, right from childhood, I have endeavored to keep a clear conscience with God and with man. He says, and immediately one fellow slaps him. And he says, you whitewashed tomb, etc. <laughs> and he calls up all kinds of names. And suddenly somebody comes and says, how come you spoke like this against the high priest? And he says, my dear, my dear brother, I'm sorry. I, sh- I spoke. And he says, it is what? Written. You should not speak. And I'm, I'm stunned for every situation how the Spirit of God just brings that word. And he says, it is written that you should not speak anything against authority. And then again, uh, Jesus, of course, we know. Every situation, it is written, it is written, it is also written. It's the anointing that quickens the word. You see? And therefore, in order to break sin, you shall know that what? Truths and the truth shall set you free. At that point, he's so full of fury. Okay? Be angry and do not sin. What did he need? I needed a word. And the anointing which is upon Saul says, how come you did that? And he immediately apologizes. And he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You see, it is the anointing. It is the anointing. Okay, today I'm going to look at three examples as to how to apply the anointing. And if you don't apply, what will happen? Three examples in the, from the old covenant. Three examples. So we lead the... Like, you know, we need, we read the doctrine from the New Testament and we look at patterns from the old. I'll show you three examples and that's all today. So take it to your heart this morning. Let's see from 1 Kings chapter 19. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint, okay, who? Hazael as a king over Syria. Also shall you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as a king over Israel. And it's a continuity. And Elisha, the son of Shephat, of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have received 7,000 in all Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. And every mouth that has not him. So he's talking about three people. He's talking about Hazael should be anointed as a king over Syria. Types, okay? Just don't just look at them literally. I'm just looking at types. So to get a principle out. Then anoint Jehu, okay, as a king over Israel. And then of course anoint Elisha as the prophet in your place. Okay. Uh, you might say different anointings, but let us see the principle. So let us look at each of these types, no? Now, Hazael has to be anointed as a king over Syria. Now, it's interesting that a, a heathen has to be anointed by a prophet from Israel. No, but it happened. Whether, when it happened, we don't know. Bible is not very clear. It's silent. 
It could have happened. It might have happened. But it's definitely it could have happened because Elijah was a man who obeyed God's commands, except one, Jehu is anointed by by Elisha's, one of the prophets at Elisha's sense. Okay? So let us look at Hazael first. Okay? So let us look at the story of Hazael. It's a very interesting story, so please pay attention. Second Kings chapter 8 and verse 7. Then Elisha went to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad king of Syria was sick. And it was told him, saying, The man of God has come here. And the king said to Hazael, Take a present in your hand and go to meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? That was a very interesting thing, right? Oh, I mean, Jesus, when he makes statements like, you know, there were many lepers in Israel, but only one was healed. Who was that? Namanda, Syrian. Okay. There were many widows in Israel, but only one, the Elijah, Elijah prophet was sent. Again? Somebody in Sidon. The widow in Sidon, Sidon, or Sarephath. Okay. See, sometimes unbelievers, they stun us with their faith. Okay, but apparently Ben-Hadad had some kind of a conversion experience, but whatever it is, he takes this, asks Hazael to take this present and uh, take it to um, the prophet and ask him whether he will recover from the sickness. You know the story very well, but let us read on. So Hazael went to meet him and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus, 40 camel loads. And he came and stood before him and said, your son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you saying, shall I recover from this disease? Isn't it interesting, right? When uh, when this Amaziah, if I'm right, he falls from the lattice. Okay. What does he go? He says, go and find Baal, uh, Baal will I recover? And Elijah says, are there no gods in Israel? And it's ironical that a Syrian has to inquire of the God of Israel. And the Israelites don't inquire. So it's a, it's a very interesting observation. I'm not going to go into the details of that. Maybe you can look at it some other time. Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you saying, shall I recover from this disease? And Elisha said to him, go, say to him, you shall certainly recover. However, the Lord has shown me that he will die. Oh, he's saying, yeah, he'll recover. But he will die. I mean, that is strange. He'll recover, but he will die. And then, something very interesting. Then he set his countenance in a stare until he was ashamed. And the man of God wept. Okay. I'd call it the prophetic gaze. Just looks at you. Okay, just imagine, no? Pastor comes and the whole time is only looking at Hannah. He's giving her the gaze and suddenly he breaks into weeping. It's called a prophetic gaze. You know, many people, they actually can't look into your eye. If there's something in their, in their heart, they just have to turn away. Okay. Let me tell you something. The Bible is a prophetic word. And when you read the books of the Bible, everything that you read is a prophetic gaze. It's a gaze. And man of God wept. I mean, it's hard to imagine Elisha weeping. You know, Elisha, this guy, hey, Baldi, Baldi, aha, uh-huh. curse them. Master, don't you care? The entire army has come. Lord, open the eyes. 
And you imagine Elisha, when I imagine Elisha, I'm like, this guy is like, okay, but you know, full fearless guy. Hard to imagine that he will weep. But you know, genuine prophets of God will weep over the sins of their people. They will weep. They'll have tears. That's what Paul says, you know, behold, I call about, say about somebody, I say about them with weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is what? Their belly. Their glory is in their shame and their mind is on earthly things. And he says, I'm weeping. And he says, Jesus looks at Jerusalem and he says, he wept and the word for wept, he was shaken. He was emotional. Imagine when you weep. He's totally shaken. He's weeping vehemently. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou you, who you kill the prophets. You who kill the prophets. And stone everybody that is sent to you. How often would I have gathered you as hen gathers her chicks. Every day I stretch out my hands, but you would not come. It's a prophetic gaze. And as I said, why is my Lord weeping? What? Why are you weeping? He answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. The strongholds you will set on fire, their young men you will kill with a sword and you will dash their children and rip open their women with child. He's looking at the guy's heart and he's saying, I weep over what you're going to do. You don't have to do it. (laughs) See, I'll tell you something. Israel has an anointing, let us say. Now what is he getting? Teaching. <laughs> Teaching. Israel, I see your heart. I see the inclinations of your heart. I see the lust for power in your heart. I see the lust for preeminence in your heart. I see the inclinations of your heart. That's what a prophetic gaze does. The word of God is living. You know what it says in Hebrews chapter 4? You know this verse very well. For the word of the Lord is what? Living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. Is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the hearts. And it says in in, uh, Genesis chapter 6, the thoughts and the inclinations of the man's heart was what? Not just evil, only evil continually. Continually. And God is looking at, at uh, I mean, the word of God is looking at, uh, at Hazael and saying, I can see the inclinations of your heart. What are you going to do? You know, one of the common things that we do, I call it the sin of denial. Huh? What is that? The sin of denial. No, 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 no. I don't think I'll do that. I'm not like a, I'm not a man like that. I'm not that kind of a person. You know, there's a saying in, in Sanskrit, Vruddhanari Pativrataha. You know what Vruddhanari means? An old Nari. She is very devoted to her husband. Why? Because she has no occasion to sin. What will she do? She's Vruddhanari. But there are inclinations in her heart. See, the thoughts nobody knows, right? Pastor was talking the other day. He said, our thoughts and our heart nobody knows. Not even our spouses know. 
Only God knows. You see. Let me tell you something. A lot of people have the anointing, but very few have the spirit. I'll tell you the difference. The spirit is, you know what? Elisha, when he ran after Elijah, he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. In other words, it's just not the anointing I'm after. I want your life. I see your life. We'll come to that later on. I see the way you follow God. I'm not just after anointing or gifts. I want that life. The spirit of God. The spirit that's, that's, that's inside of you. It's the attitude. That is the reason why it says in Ephesians chapter 4, be renewed in the, what of your mind? In the attitude of your mind. Other translations uses the word, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In, in Telugu, it's very interesting. It is chitta, chitta vritti. <laughs> chitta vritti. Be renewed in the chitta vritti. You know what chitta vritti actually means? It's a Sanskrit word for a monkey mind. Mind is a monkey. Dilto? Ah, pagale, thank you. Pastor knows very well. Dilto pagale doesn't stop. Common dil divana hai. Pagale. I remember this joke about this guy. Uh, his wife was dying and he's weeping next to her. He said, she's weeping and weeping uncontrollably. And uh, the wife looks at the husband, uh, the husband, wife looks at the husband and says, you gonna miss me? He says, yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. What will happen to you if you, if I die? I'll go mad. And then she says, uh, will you marry again? Mad can, mad man can do anything. <laughs> okay. Shravan, you're laughing. Huh? <laughs> Whatever the reason. <laughs> see, you see, this is the heart. What is it? It's a monkey mind. Okay. And that monkey mind has to be renewed. The inclinations of your heart, the thoughts of your heart. Because out of the heart proceeds what? Evil thoughts, okay? Fornication, it's not just fornication singular. What are the different types of fornication I was thinking? Okay, there is respectable fornication and irrespectable fornication. We'll talk about that later on. Different kinds of fornication. Adulteries. Murders. You kill somebody and you also spoil his reputation. Do different kind of murders. Thefts. You steal somebody else's idea. Plot is called plagiarism. Except when it comes to the word of God, I don't want to talk about it, no? That is somebody else's preacher's idea. What if that preacher falls? Next time, nobody will take that idea. Oh, we don't want to have anything to do with his ideas. You see? Okay. So that is the reason why it's, what is a thought, it's an intention of the hearts, you see? And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are what? Naked. That is the reason why when the presence and the presence of God came into the life of Adam and Eve, they were happy. They were getting along famously with their fig leaves. I like your design. I like my design. Fantastic. Maybe we should do another fashion. Maybe, I don't know, what they were discussing. And after that, immediately God's presence came. Everything was laid bare. And it says, it says it's very interesting. God, the Lord God came in the what of the day? 
In the cool of the day, you should see every word. It's so remarkable. The Lord God is the word of God. The cool is the ruach. He's the spirit of God. And what, what happens when the word of God and the spirit of God come? They bring conviction and you're ashamed. It's a ruach of God. It's remarkable. And immediately, their intentions and their hearts, everything is laid bare naked. The ruach of God. You see, when God tells you something, one of the principal lessons I have learned is don't live in denial. The anointing and the word of God convicts you. Don't live in denial. It shows you the inclinations of your heart. Don't live in denial. I remember this beautiful passage in Second Timothy. He says, respect all elder women, elder men as, uh, as elders and younger men as brothers, elder women as mothers and elder, elder women as sisters, not full stop. What is that? With all purity he adds. I'm stunned by that. And I, I, I believe uh, Timothy should have got, shouldn't, should have got offended. How come he's saying all purity? Did I not walk with him all these years? Did I see, did he not see my consecration? Did he, did he not see my holiness? How come he says that I should walk with all purity? Does he see that I'm lusting after women? No, he didn't say any, any of those things. He just said, you know what, I'm capable. I don't want to live in denial. I'll show you a denial situation. Luke's Gospel chapter 22. You know this verse very well. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, that when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren, but said to him, but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Even if everybody forsakes you, I will not forsake you. What is he doing? He is what? Denying. You know, so many people deny. So many of us actually, we all deny did you do it? No, no, no. First answer is no. Then you will justify as to why you did it. Bah. So, by the time, I remember so many times, right? I don't have a particular pattern, let's say, by the time I leave home, I could have left home earlier. I have to want to reach office by church office by 9.30. Or at least five minutes before that. But sometimes I just get carried away by something and I take mix, I eat my breakfast a little more leisurely. And then I get into the car, by the time I'm in the, in the car, it's 9.20. Then I'm already planning as to what to tell pastor, as to why I came late. Because, you know, he also has sometimes a prophetic gaze. He just looks at you and he just goes like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's called a prophetic gaze, no? He doesn't say so many things. Uh, sometimes, you know, you just have to look at the gaze and that's enough. Right? Right, Peter? <laughs> that's our story, yeah. <laughs> you see, the prophetic gaze. And I'm already planning. What am I doing? I'm living in denial of the fact. I'm just giving you examples. Little, little simple examples. Albeit, they're not very simple. You extend that to extrapolate its induction, right? Mathematical, not induction. Mathematical. You just extrapolate to every sphere in your life. The excuses that you give. It's called denial. Even if everybody. And you know what God says? Peter, <laughs> I know your heart. Three times. Three times, three times. I, I like the way the Holy Spirit records this incident in uh, Gospel according to Luke. Okay? Then, about half an hour had passed 
Another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow also was with him for he is a Galilean. His, his speech is betraying him in other translations. In other words, Sanskritam is coming out of his mouth. Okay, he's still not baptized with other tongues, but he's already speaking with his mother tongue. Okay. And then, but Peter said, man, I do not know. What are you talking? Immediately while he was still speaking. You know, a lot of people know. I don't know, pastor, what you're saying? What? What? I don't know. They will just ask, look, at, look at you as if you are... My, my daughter is here. No, she was five years old. Okay, baby. Okay, she was five years old, and uh, her and her sister used to take a bath in the bathtub. Okay, nice white bathtub. And one day it was full black. I said, "Why is the tub so black?" They both of them they just came playing from outside. They went and put their feet into the tub, and now their next step is to take bath. That is a modus operandi. I said, how is that? This water is so black. Abigail, you know, it was not my idea. It was her idea that we should put our water, our feet in the water. I said, she's three years old. She has a better idea than you. Kya baat hai? You know, something, sometimes, you know, she's insulting my intelligence, you know, in other words. She's lo- looking at me and she's saying, uh, uh, what if you're a doctor, no? See, that's exactly sometimes we do that. God, you don't know. You don't know. Before the rooster crows three times, you know what happened? Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said him before the rooster crows, uh, rooster crows, you will deny him three times. So Peter, why? Then the Lord remembered. And the Lord turned and looked at him. That's it. What happened? The prophetic gaze. Finished. He went outside and started weeping bitterly. You see? That should have happened to Hazel. Instead of him weeping bitterly, the prophets weep bitterly because he is living in denial. You know, so many people are like Hazel, even in the body of Christ, we are all at sometimes like Hazel. We deny. We deny the inclinations of our own heart. We know what we are doing is wrong. We will still do it. You know, that is the reason why God's constant refrain to the children of Israel, you are a what kind of a people? Stiff-necked. We say, oh yeah, in Israelite stiff-necked fellows, you don't know how stiff-necked we are. We are bent we are, we believe in Newton's second law of motion. Everybody continues in its state of rest or of uniform motion. This called us, what is that? Principle of inertia. Tremendous inertia we have. Like Pastor was telling yesterday, no? Power steering is not required. We need that art steering to turn our lives. Otherwise we will not. Too much of inertia. Sometimes if your car is like nano, or maybe Wagoner, you just do power steering and what happens? It's got a high center of gravity, it'll fall, tumble. Those who have ears to hear, <laughs> let them hear. Okay, so Peter went down bitterly, you see. He said, Lord, I denied you and I was living in denial that I had these inclinations in my heart. See, that is what the anointing does and the teaching does. It shows you the inclinations of your heart. So what do you do? Humble yourself. 
Humble yourself. You look at what Job does. Job chapter 42. I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. Therefore, I abhor myself. But till that time he was like denying. He's actually denying. So many, in fact, see, he had three friends and there was another guy. If I'm right, Elishub. Elihu. That guy is a different guy. You should see, read his indictments about Job. Powerful indictments. He says, Job, you're a scoffer. You're a proud man. And God does not say anything to Elihu, by the way. He's showing the inclinations of his heart. But Job is in denial, denial, denial. And then finally God says, he shows up and says, you know what? Enough is enough. He loves him. You see, God shows up because he loves you. You need to understand, God really, really loves us. He loves us. He is interested in our well-being more than anything else. No, more than anybody else. He wants us to overcome our sin. But he says, you know what? You have to accept. You can't deny. You see. That is the reason why. Blessed are the dash in heart, for they shall see God. Pure. What is pure? What does that mean? He is not in denial. He is like he opened his says, This is what I am. Don't live in denial. Let the, 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 let the anointing and the truth of God probe your heart and show the inclinations of your heart. Because our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Answer is nobody. Not even you. Like, you know, you said, you don't know my heart. Huh. Hello. Huh. You don't know your heart. I don't know your heart. God knows all of our hearts. We are all deceitful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Therefore, what does the anointing do? Therefore, Second Corinthians chapter 4. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with what? Open faces. What should we do? Beholding as in a mirror. The glory of God. What are we being doing? What is happening to us? We're being transformed from glory to glory. Changed into the same image. Becoming more and more and more guileless. What is that? Guileless. To be without, den- I mean, to be guileless is having a life which will not deny. James chapter 1. The prophetic case talks about it. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. That is how you do it. First, how do you do? We receive with meekness. Isn't it interesting about uh, who is the meekest man who ever lived in the New in the Old Testament, especially at least during the times of the Lord, Moses. And he says, my servant Moses, how do I speak to him? Face to face. Face to face. No, no dreams, no visions. Face to face. I like that stanza, no? Let me see thy face in thy says, The dead to sin shall find thy grace. The pure in heart shall see thy face. The dead to sin shall find thy grace. The pure in heart shall see thy face. If I cannot see thy face and live, then let me see thy face and die. That is John Wesley. What a superb hymn that is. You know who sang that? Eric, Yash and Abel. After that, it became one of my favorites. What a, what a hymn it was. You see, uh, you know, Eric, the other day, 
he asked me, I was talking about the Ten Commandments to Christian workers. He immediately pinged me and he said, Pastor, can you send me a copy of that? Can, we, can you send me a screenshot shot of it? I took a screenshot and I sent it to him. Immediately I got a response. He looked at it, looks at it and he says, I abhor myself. Now I said, boss, this is the kind of response we need. <laughs> abhor myself. You see, you're not living in denial. Doesn't matter how, what you are, in what position you are in. You could be a pastor, you could be an elder, you could be a teacher, you could be anybody. One thing, don't live in denial. When God shows you something, examine your heart. Therefore it says, receive with what? Meekness, first thing. And therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Other translations we use. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and every expression of evil. I like that. Expression of evil, no? Sometimes, you know, people give expressions. That is the reason why it, uh, uh, God tells Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces, huh? My goodness, if looks can kill. Jeremiah actually had a big time problem with scopophobia. Scopophobia means scope phobia. If anybody looks at him, he gets scared. And he says, don't be afraid of their faces. I am going to make you like a brazen, <laughs> brazen oil and an iron pillar, whatever. Gives, an, gives a very interesting uh, adjective. So, don't be afraid. So, what is that? Get rid of every expression of evil. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which is able to what? Save your souls. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free from all denial. Okay. You see, why, why do we have issues with counseling between couples? Because they live in denial. One of the things that people don't want to touch is my child. Don't touch him. See? It says the, the, the children, the, this is Holy Spirit who is saying. Holy Spirit is saying the sons of Eli were no. Sons of Belial. And what is Eli doing? Sons, should not do like that Ray. This is the kind of, this is what denial and therefore, you know, God says, you honored your sons more than you honored me. But those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, I will what? Rightly esteem. See, they live in denial. So many parents live in denial. My, my, my son is a genius in math. What can you He knows everything. He went to Bashyam school. And only one thing he didn't learn, Bashyam. He knows this is what they live in denial. I, I, I'm, I don't kid you, okay? This is what parents do also, okay? It's very sad. They put pressure upon one fellow to do engineering. And he will create difficulty, get one good rank. But he is not interested in engineering at all. Okay? Not interested. The problem is parents don't know the plight of the professor. They sent him to university. Huh? I don't kid you. Midterm one. This guy is a good rank, top ranker in NEET those days. Otherwise you don't get your triple ID. I don't know how he got the rank, by the way. I still have my questions, but I think he didn't, he's not interested in engineering at all. Empty paper. Empty. Next exam? Empty. Final exam? Empty. I looked at him. What is this guy doing? What is he doing? And then I realized parents are like that. 
They forced, 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 forced. I remember one guy who was top IIT 50, IIT JE 50 rank. IIT JE 50 rank. Doing computer science in IIT Kanpur. B.Tech. How many years? Eight years. For a four-year degree. So don't, don't get scared, okay? That's fine. That is, you're doing PhD, no problem. PhD is going on and on and on. No problem, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just okay. I'm, uh, I give you hope. I I could finish it. I could finish it. So you also will finish it. Okay. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and humble. Don't believe in denial. When people talk about, don't don't get offended. You know that is offense. Don't live in denial. So many people live in denial and they compound their problems. James chapter one will say, but be doers of the Lord and not what hearers only deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And what does he do? He immediately forgets what sort of a person he is. Why? Willfully, immediately lives in denial. Okay. So the first thing from Hazel will learn, do not commit the sin of denial. Surrender to the prophetic gaze. Let's go back. Let's go back to Hazael now. So Hazael said, but what is your servant? A dog? That he should do this gross thing? And Elisha answered, the Lord has shown me that you will become king in Israel. Then he departed from Elisha and came to his master and said to him, what did, I, what did Elisha say to you? And he answered, he told me that you should surely, what? And what does he do to him? Nice wet handkerchief next day, finishes him off. Dead. You see, these things don't happen in a day. Don't happen in a day. You see, when you start denying, actually what happens is the more confront, more God confronts you and you start living in denial, you become more and more and more further away from God and not close to Him. I'll show you a an interesting observation. Okay, let's read Matthew chapter 26. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Now notice this, my dear brothers and sisters. Notice this. They were very sad and began to say to him, Ah, ah, one after the other. Surely you don't mean me, God. The fellow who came first should have been Peter, maybe. Then maybe next John. I don't know. Because no, I don't think so, John. I don't know. Because John was leaning on his breast. I don't know. Then Jesus dipped, the one who has dipped his hand into the ball with me will betray me. And then, then, Judas. See, after everybody confesses, then comes Judas. Then the one who would betray Judas said, surely you do not mean me, O Lord. I'll tell you something. You see, when the Holy Spirit records lists, observe very carefully. I'll show you a list. Gospel according to Mark, chapter 3. These are the twelve he appointed. Who are they? Apostles, right? James first, Simon Peter, closest. And he got the maximum rebuke. Okay, you want to be closest to Jesus? Be ready for, get thee behind me, Satan. Ma, today pastor called me Satan? Wear it as a badge. 
no you know i like sami always you know? he says pastor i got rebuked today i said boy what an attitude he wears it like a badge three star today okay and one more rebuke he puts another star his stars are rolling pleasing you see i got rebuked today you know where is like a badge closest is peter you know remember you have abigail has the electron model okay you learn the electron model today okay nucleus and electron model james son of zebedee brother john so next to him so he had the first group holy spirit is recording god already knows okay so he had this closest always with jesus always always with jesus and then he at the next level james um uh, and uh, sorry andrew andrew is next by the way andrew is next he's, he also gets becomes the part of the four when jesus uh, when during the discourse right the olivet discourse uh, matthew chapter 24 even andrew comes and asks him when when are the times of this of your coming is i mean can you talk us and teach us about that about your return and andrew is also there andrew philip bartholomew matthias matthew thomas james son of alphaeus thaddeus simon the zealot and judas iscariot who who betrayed him okay that is one record we should not always do one record okay you should look at another record now look at this record in luke's gospel chapter 6 all the thing judas son of james and judas iscariot who what is that no 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 became a traitor there he was going to betray this one this time he is become a betrayer that means he didn't have to do it actually he became a betrayer you know what happens i'll tell you something whenever you go away from the group away and away when you live in denial you go away and away from the group and you're in the last person of the group you're like the outer electron in an electron model okay you're an outlier basically you're free electron what are you free that's what you think but you're a target of the enemy he can easily have you because when you're closest to jesus you have the most pull when you're away from jesus it's like a magnetic force the force is lesser and lesser and lesser and when you're away from jesus what happens you know what happens easy for the enemy to come and knock you off like that easy easy you know this is what we call as independent spirit it's not interdependent we are not dependent we are not independent in the church of the living god we are what a body we are absolutely interdependent on one another absolutely we are not loose electrons if you will <laughs> sorry if you don't know chemistry but but you get the point if you are away from the magnet you have the force is very little why are you going away because christ does not attract you anymore You see, you are slowly going away, away. I'll tell you, this is an example. Remember, one of the characters in the Bible who's had an independent spirit was Joab. He did whatever he wanted to do. Whatever. Okay. Je- what's his name? Abner comes, makes peace. Where is he? When the meeting is going on with David, he's on a raid. Who sent him? How is one? And he comes back from the raid and he comes and says what happened? Oh there was a meeting and Abner and David has made peace. How dare he does that? He takes independent decisions. 
how long you will lie in your bed? If you don't come back, this place will be uh, will be named after me. You want that to happen? Whom is he saying this to? King David. He's threatening. You see, you have to be always wary about this independent people. They are independent, you see. They come late to meetings sometimes. Late meaning not because of the they are late deliberately. No, it was a very interesting web series once I watched. It's called Cubicles. The first day of work, this guy ends up late at his workplace. Okay, all you IT professionals should understand. And the, and the first day, it's the first day of work. Okay, first day of work, he, he doesn't get his ID properly. And the guy there downstairs, he has not put his entry. And he ends up late in his office, the first day. And the HR looks at him and he says, which exam are you preparing for? GRE. So no, I'm not preparing for any exam. People who come late on the first day means they are prepared, they are preparing for GRE, they are preparing for GMAT, they are not interested in the job. When are you going to leave? Six months? You see, they are not interested. They are outliers. It's dangerous, my dear brothers. These are all dangerous. You see. Stay close and you will burn. Okay? When coals of when the coals are together they burn brighter you take one coal away what will happen it's gone it's gone got it so don't live in denial let's go to psalm 139 and read this one verse and we will finish this part search me O god and know my heart try me and know my anxieties the word is very interesting thoughts in other translations we'll use the word opinions <laughs> How, how, how long will you falter between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, worship Him. In other words, in my heart, Lord, there are all kinds of inclinations. One day Yahweh is God, one day Baal is God. One day Yahweh is God, one, one day Baal is God. Lord, please, Lord, search me, know me, and see if there is any wicked man in me, and lead me into the way of everlasting life. Okay, got that, first thing. Therefore, don't live in denial. And you'll, so you'll see how uh, the story of uh, Hazel ends. But it happened on the next day that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water, spread it over his face so that he died. And Hazel reigned in his place. He's just so different from David's life, right? David, you're anointed to be the king. Will you take matters into your own hands? No. Will you kill Saul? No. When the opportunity arises, will you kill him? No. So different. Okay. Let's go to the next verse. Let's go back to First uh, Kings chapter 19 and verse uh, 15 and 16. Then also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. Another type. Jehu, the son of Nimshi. Jehu is anointed. No, you should see the anointing of Jehu is like a fantastic story. You should make a movie out of it. And when he's riding the horse, they say it is like the riding of what? Jehu. Full, full zeal. Second Kings chapter 9. So what does he do? He finish off, finishes off Jezebel. He finishes off Ahab's son. He finishes off 70 sons of Ahab. He kills the entire family of Ahab. He meets the sons of kings of, king of Judah on the way. They meet, he meets the 40 kings of sons of Judah and he kills them all. Murders them. Blood spilt all over. Full zeal. And then, 
In 2 Kings chapter 9, something very interesting happens. Observe this. Now when he departed from there, he met Jonadab the son of Rechab coming to meet him. And he greeted him saying, Is your heart right as my heart is towards your heart? Jonadab answered, It is. Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So, they, so that he gave him his hand and took him up into his chariot. So you should see the entire episode of Jehu. And I want to zero in on this particular incident. It's a fabulous incident. Who is this person? Jonathan. Who is he? The father of Rechab. What does he stand for? Ah. See, Jeremiah chapter 35. Then I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Hebaziah, his brothers, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons, sons of Hanan, the sons of Igadaliah. Okay. All ayahs. Okay. A man of God who was by the chamber of the princess, above the chamber of Maseah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. Then I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites, bowls full of wine. Bowls full of wine and cups. And I said, Drink wine. Who's this? Jeremiah. Jeremiah is like, you know, took them all to the secret chamber. Nobody's watching. Full of wine. Vodka martini. Okay. And you had, uh, what is that? Scotch, cobra beer. Full. All, all the, all the spectrum. Okay. He knows, I mean, I know the brands. I didn't take taste any of them. Okay. So, So, full brands. Come on, drink. Drink. Who's telling this? Jeremiah. Just imagine, no? Forget me. If Pastor says, come on Vijay, let's have a party. Hardly. But I'm just, imagine, you have to imagine all this. Okay. What it meant for them then? What it meant for us? Now. Okay, like that is the simple formula I'm using. Okay, I'm a student. Okay, I'm a student. So I use formulas very easily. So when he tells a formula, I note it down and I use it. Okay. So, just imagine. Let's have a ball. Vodka. It's a problem, no problem. Those days now my friends still told me, vodka, sometimes it's very, very bitter. You put nice Tropicana in it and mix it and drink. So he's doing, he's saying all that. Okay, enjoy. Recommends, say something very interesting. But they said, we will drink no wine for a Jonadab, son of Rakam. Who is he? I'll say again, again, again. Look, look at this, look at this. Hazael anointed has a prophetic gaze. What does that mean? He meets the word which is showing him his heart. Anointing and the word showing him his heart. Now, Jehu full of zeal. We'll come to that zeal later on. Okay. Anointed and then he meets Jonathan. Is my heart with your heart? Question is, is your heart with my heart? You know what Jonathan means? The Lord is willing. You know what John's Gospel chapter 7 verse 17 says? If anyone wills to do my will, then you will know my teaching. You will understand my teaching. But Jonathan is there. So he said, we will drink no wine for Jonathan, the son of Rechab. Our father commanded us. What does Jonathan stand for? Teaching again. Because he commanded us and he also taught us. That you shall drink no wine, nor your, nor your sons, forever. 
It's like, it's interesting, like, you know what, uh, what Paul says, right? Even if I, or if an angel from heaven should preach to you any other, what? Gospel, let him be accursed. We don't care who, who you are. Jeremiah, my, my father told me one thing. Any other doctrine, even if it is from Jeremiah's mouth, reject it. Then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah saying, Thus says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the Son of the God of Israel, go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive what? Instruction to obey my words. That is what Jonathan stands for. Instruction to obey my words. You know, one of the things people do not overcome sin in their lives because they do not receive what? Instruction to obey God's word. Instruction. My dear brothers and sisters, this is serious business. Otherwise, we'll have this eternal cycle of sin and sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting. When when are we going to break through from the cycle and say, you know what? There is a semblance of victory in my life. I can say honestly, from twenty in twenty twenty one, the day I stand today before you, honestly, I can say the sins which I used to struggle with five years, I don't struggle with them anymore. I overcame them. I enjoyed. I have enjoyed a semblance of victory in my life. You know why? Simply because I receive instruction to obey. You see, instruction to obey. So now Jonathan joins the chariot. It's like you know, the Ethiopian eunuch, right? <laughs> Show you that person. We'll come back. Acts chapter eight. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. <laughs> I like that. Very interesting. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, how can I? He said, unless someone explains to me. So he what? Ah, invited Philip. Sit down next to me and give me instruction. No. And after a few minutes, he explains to him the entire passage. What is he ready for? Huh? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you of whom does this prophet say of himself or somebody else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began uh, and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down to the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see there is water. What hinders me from being baptized? What hinders me? What hinders me? So what is happening now? Jehu is saying, you know what? I am going with God all the way. Let's see what happens. Let's come back to First Kings chapter 19. Sorry. Oh, Second Kings chapter 9. And, uh, <clears throat> sorry. However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam. Now, whom did, whom did he already destroy? He destroyed the house of Ahab. He destroyed the Baal worshippers. Remember? He destroyed everything. But there's one thing which actually caused him to do all this. What is that? The sin of Jeroboam. There's one thing which actually empowered all your sin. You see, it's not that Jehu hated idolatry. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Actually, this, is, this example was given by Spurgeon. Let us say, I knock on Peter's door. Okay. He looks at me, standing outside the door. I am dressed in, let's say, uh, shorts and t-shirt. Tuck, tuck. He opens the door and he looks at me. Don't want to come, I don't want you to come to my home. And he closes the door. Then I have an idea. I go home, take a nice shower, shave, put on nice formal clothes, 
and come back and knock the door. And Peter opens and he says, oh, he looks at me, please come in. I was not the problem. The dress was the problem. Okay. Idolatry is not the problem. Okay. The kind of dress idolatry wore was a problem. Okay. Let me explain to you. Somebody married somebody else. He's committing adultery. How dare he does it? Oh, that means you don't commit adultery? No, 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 no. I watch nice pornography. <laughs> See, adultery is not the problem. But the way it is packaged is a problem. You understand? I remember this, no? Very interesting. Cheating is not the problem. Cheating, you should not take bribe. Don't say bribe. Gift, okay. Offering, oh, more okay. Don't call it. See, in lunch, I got a gift. Just consider it as a gift. Don't consider it as a bribe. Okay, okay, gift and then okay. No problem. I remember no, when I was in Tolijoki, uh, my landlord came to me and he said, Vijay, why don't you buy this home? He quoted me a price. But he said, Vijay, there's only one problem with this. What is the problem? I said, see, I, I had only permission till third floor. I built it on the fourth floor. You may not have get permission, to, I mean, you may not get loan, but you know what? I, I talked to the registrar. He was a nice man. He didn't take bribe. He only took money and put it in the hundi. What did he do? He took the money, put it in the hundi. The bribe is not a problem. What is the problem? Calling bribe, bribe is a problem. Call it gift. Okay, no problem. Offering, no problem. You camouflage it, no problem. Idolatry, not a problem. How do you put the idol? Ganesh, not a problem. Shiva, problem. Why? Shiva looks very, very dangerous. Ganesh looks so nice and inviting. You see, I'm talking about that. Invite Idolatry is not the problem. How the idolatry is camouflage is the problem. So what does Jehu do? He gets rid of one thing. He gets rid of somebody else's sin. <laughs> but when it comes to his own sin, no. However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made him made Israel sin. That is from the golden calves that were at Bethel and Dan. You see, the reason why you are committing sin, that you will not take care. Every other thing you will take it off. And you know what he says? Look at my zeal for the Lord. What zeal? What zeal? When you don't go to the root. Lord said to Jehu, because you have done well in doing what is in right in my sight and down to the house of Ahab, all that was in my heart, your, your son shall sit in one thro- uh, on the throne of Israel for the fourth generation. But, next verse, but Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart, for he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam who made Israel do sin. You see, there is a reason. Let me give you examples. What is the problem with Zacchaeus? Covetousness. So what does God do? What does he do? He doesn't say, Lord, I will give back all the money you just stole. No, he doesn't say that. You know what he says? I will first sell all my goods and half of it I will give it off to the poor. First thing. Second, you know what I'll do? Fourfold I will return. Not once. Not twice. Four times. So what is the possibility? By the end of all the returning, how much could be his bank balance? Zero. That's okay with me. It's okay with me. I want to go. 
all the way, not half-hearted. Now let's look at the, the last person and we will stop. First Kings chapter 19. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king of Syria, also anoint Jehu and finally anoint what? Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And you know how Elisha start, how he starts his life. Look at what he, how, what, he, what happens to him. And he left the oxen, ran after Elijah. Please let me kiss my father and my mother and then let I'll, then I'll follow you. So Elisha turned back and, and took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh. Then he came, arose and what, does, what did he do? Just underline that word in your Bibles. What does it do? Follow. 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 He followed him. Second Timothy chapter 3. But you have what? Carefully what? Followed. My doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my love, my perseverance, persecutions, afflictions. How does it start? No, 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 no. You followed my teaching. First starts with teaching. And then you followed my manner of life. What can, what kind of a life did Elijah have? Locusts and wild honey and no designer clothes. You followed my purpose. You followed my faith. You followed my long suffering. You followed my love. You followed my perseverance. You followed my persecutions. You followed my afflictions which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium. And that is the reason why you'll finish your race. You know what? You followed. There is an art of following, my dear brothers. All what sheep do, they follow. You know the word for in, 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 in Greek is mimic, imitate. Be imitators of God. And then Paul says, be imitators of me even as I imitate Christ. And what should you imitate? Imitate my doctrine. Imitated my manner of life. Imitated my purpose. Imitated my faith. Imitated my long suffering. Imitated my love. Imitated my perseverance. Imitated my persecutions. Imitated my afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them, the Lord delivered me. You see, to overcome sin and to beat sin is not a one day thing. It is a long following after God. There's a long obedience in a single direction. There's a long obedience in learning and obeying. There's a long obedience, a long uh, following in understanding the manner of life. A long obedience in making your purpose absolutely clear in your life. A long obedience in faith, in obedience, in faith. A long obedience in long suffering. How do you how do you long suffer? By suffering long. A long obedience in saying, you know what, even if persecutions come and afflictions come, I will not back down. Doesn't matter. This is what you have to go all the way and not stop. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. That ye be not what? Slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience Inherit the promises. Faith and patience inherit the promises. But many want to follow, but very few can actually really follow. You know that? 
In Matthew chapter 8, look at what Jesus says. When Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. (laughs) Where does Jesus look into? His heart. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of God has no place. In other words, in your heart, if I don't give you DA and TA, you will not come. It's called dearness elements. I don't know why that they call it dearness elements. You are very dear to us. So dearness elements. TA, trans travel elements, HRA, nothing of that sort. Will you come? But I know. I know you. In the middle you will drop. Another guy. Another said of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. No loyalties apart from me. He said, Lord, I will... But Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. And he tells the rich young ruler, you know what? He says, there's one thing inside of you. One thing. One thing. One thing. You know, in all of us, there's just one thing. If you give up that one thing, is there deep down inside of your heart which is causing you to sin? It could be that one thing, that one desire, that one relationship. That just become an idol in your heart. And you will be there in the church for so many years, but it's going to lie dormant inside of your heart and one day it will come out. Because you have not dealt with it. Just one thing. One thing. One affection. And it's always that one thing. That's what Jesus says. You know what? Martha, Martha, you are distracted with so many things, but what is needful? One thing is needful. One thing. And if you give up that one thing, your deliverance is there, but you will not. You will hold on to it with your life. You will guard it. There is one thing in all of us. What is that one thing? Ask yourself this question this morning. You see, overcoming sin is not an easy job. (laughs) It's not an easy thing. But one thing is needful. You know what it is? Sit at his feet and learn. And it's a slow process. So this morning we learned about three people. Hazel, who lived in denial. Second, Jehu, who would not care, take care of that one thing. And Elisha, who said, you know what? I am after you all the way. After you all the way. And you can be, this morning, that one person who will say, Lord, I am here, Lord, I am here. I have put everything on the line. I want to go with you all the way. I am not turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. So this morning, can we stand in the presence of the Lord? Let's pray and ask God this morning. God, you love me. But what is that one thing inside of my heart? That one thing that I will not give up. That one thing that I will hold on to. That will be the reason for all my failings. What is that one thing that I desire? It could be a relationship, it could be a career. It could be anything. But that one thing you will not give up. And that one thing will pull us down. And that is one thing is enough. And this morning can we say, Lord, Father, truly, the best that I know how, I want to go all the way with you. 
I want to follow you every step of the way. I don't want to give up all the halfway, Lord. I don't want to be like Gehazi who was there with Elisha all the days of his life. He had the anointing but he did not have the spirit. He had that one thing, that desire for wealth, for prominence. In the gospel according to the epistle of John, chapter 3, 3rd John, it says, there's diatrophies who desire to have preeminence and he would not receive the teaching because there was one thing, that desire to be preeminent. What is that one thing this morning, Lord? Search us. Can we say like David, Lord, search me. Show me if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the everlasting life, the way to everlasting life. Many of us could be living in denial. Saying that it's all okay. But God is saying, don't live in denial. I'm showing you certain things, certain inclinations of your heart. Will you humble yourself and receive the word with meekness? And Jehu was all show. All show. Look at my zeal for God, he said. But it's all show. But deep down inside of his heart, there was one, one, one thing that he would not get rid of. He held on to it. What is that one thing? And this morning, let us ask God, Lord, probe me, Lord. Search me. Search me, Lord. I don't want to live a, live a defeated life. I truly want to overcome sin. And you have given me the anointing and you have given me the teaching. The anointing and the teaching to break every yoke over my life. Lord, I pray, Father, that Lord, you would probe us. Beginning with me, O Lord. Show us that one thing, O Lord. Because Lord, your word says very clearly, no man can serve two masters. He will love the one or hate the other. He will be loyal to one and despise the other. And we want to be a people who is absolutely loyal to you, O Lord. We don't want to be like Joab, independent, away from the influences of the teaching, away from the influences of the word and ready as a target for Satan. But we want to be close to you, O Lord. When you show the inclinations of our heart, we don't want to deny them. Father, enable us, Lord Father, to put a smile on your face and not cause you to weep. Like Hazael caused Elisha to weep. We don't want to cause you to weep, O Lord. We want to truly, truly love you and we want to truly say, Lord, what you have done for us We love you because you first loved us. Behold, what manner of love the Father has showered upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And God's word says, if any man is a slave to sin, slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son does. God's word could be chastising us, probing us this morning, showing us the inclinations of our heart. Let us ask God and say, Lord, show it. Let me not deny. 
Let me confront it. Let me deal with it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you do not condemn. You only convict. So that we can have deliverance. That we can be set free from the bondage of sin. That we can be, Lord, serve you freely. That we could be liberated to truly be bold and be unashamed in our witnessing and in our walk with you, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Commit all of us into your hands this morning, O Lord. Father, we want to overcome sin. You have given us your word. You have given us your power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that we will not take those things lightly, O Lord, in our lives. That we will go all the way, O Lord. All the way. Even if we fall a million times, we will go all the way. Father, we want to say, like Job, even if you slay us, we will still serve you. Father, truly, Lord, Lord, brought that desire in each one of our hearts this morning. The desire to love you. You have gone all the way for us, O oh Lord. You, Lord, on the, on the, on that day, O oh Lord, in the, in the, in the garden of Gethsemane, O oh Lord, you experienced, O oh Lord, tension and pressure. And you, Lord, shed drops of blood. And you said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Oh, Father, lest we forget Gethsemane. Lest we forget your agony. Oh, King of our life, we crown thee now this morning. Thine shall the glory be. Lest we forget that thorn, thorn crown brow, lead us to Calvary. This morning, Father, we want to go all the way, O oh Lord. We want to truly, truly serve you, O oh Lord. We do not want to cause weeping, O oh Lord, Father, to all those people who invested into our lives, that we will truly be a cause of joy, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Touch, rot that desire in each one of us, O oh Lord. Rot the desire in all of us who are listening to the word, O oh Lord, Father, that we will truly, truly, Father, seek you with all of our heart. And Lord, that we will... We we will not, Father, hold back anything, O oh Lord Jesus. Everything, O oh Lord, will be for you, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, your word says, O oh Lord, if um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer yourselves. And Lord, we want to make a decision today, O oh Lord, that we will truly offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, O oh Lord, on, your, on the altar, O oh Lord. And we want to, we don't want to turn back, O oh Lord Jesus. We don't want to put it on the altar and take it back, O oh Lord. We don't want to put it on the altar and take it back. We want to lay it on the altar like Abraham did. All the way, O oh Lord Jesus, grant us grace to that and we pray, O oh Lord. May you find young people, we are older people, O oh Father, in this oh, in this hall and all those people who are listening, O oh Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that, that you would find people, genuine hearts who would seek to love you, who seek to overcome sin, who seek to please you, O oh Lord, in all that they do, O oh Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. May you rot that desire inside of our hearts, O oh Lord. Your word says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of our, of our heart. And I pray, Father, that our desire will be to please you, O Lord. That we will truly say, if any man wills to do his will, that he will know the doctrine and we will be a people who will will to do your will, O Lord Jesus. We will just not have Jonadab in our side and Lord, show him off the devotion of the Lord, but not truly deal with that sin, that one thing that is blocking us, O Lord. As you said to the rich young ruler, that one thing we lack. And I pray, pray, Father, that you would show your children, O Lord, even in the days to come, that one thing that hinders them from totally devoting themselves to you, O Lord, Father. Grant us grace to that and we pray, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that we will love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind.
mankind and with all the resources that you have given to us, O Lord, Father. Completely, O Lord. Circumcise our hearts this morning, O Lord, that we will love you, O Lord. Circumcise us, Lord Jesus. Take away the affections from our heart that is not, that is not contrary to your word. Show the inclinations of our heart, O Lord Jesus, this morning. Show us where our hearts are lying, O Lord Jesus, that we will truly, Lord, that Lord, as your word says in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, may the Lord direct our hearts into the love of God and to the patience of Christ Jesus, O Lord. Direct our hearts, O Lord. Let us, let us get back that focus, O Lord, that we will not be double-minded anymore, that we will have a unity of purpose, a singleness of purpose, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Rot that work in our hearts, O Lord. Rot a deep work in our lives, O Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. We pray. Amen. Amen. May the Lord... The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.